first podcast of a new podcast called Talk on Tech. A little bit of alliteration there. Um, I'm uh, one of the co-hosts, Patrick Smith, and with me is Josh Joseph. Say hello, Josh. Hello. Uh, We are both MCTC professors, and I know that can be an acronym for a lot of different things, so let me just tell you that MCTC is short for Mount West Community and Technical College. Uh, We both are instructors at a community and technical college in Huntington, West Virginia. And we thought this would be a a great opportunity to go ahead and make a a podcast that can help illuminate uh, information technology and the jobs available in that arena, as well as talk about what our, our institution, MCTC, has to offer to students. So in this, you will hear a lot of uh, information technology information. We'll occasionally be talking about different stories in the news today that uh, uh, are greatly being affected by IT, Um, but also we'll be talking about what we offer here as well as giving reminders to our students about upcoming events and just trying to bring yet another avenue of interest to uh, the classes we offer here at MCTC and information technology in general. So first, let's go ahead and, uh, and introduce you guys to the two of us, in case you're not aware. So I'll start first. Uh, I'm Patrick Smith, and like I said, I am an instructor here at MCTC. Originally, when I got out of high school, I actually came to MCTC and got myself an associate's degree. At that time, we were still part of Marshall University here on their campus in Huntington, West Virginia. But I ended up finishing my associate's degree. I really, really liked the, uh, the classes and the instructors I had here. I later came back and went to Marshall to get my bachelor's. Was eventually hired on as a full-time instructor here at MCTC because I, I taught as an, an adjunct professor or basically as, as kind of a person that would teach one or two classes a semester, not a full-time instructor, basically a part-time instructor. And I finally got hired on full-time, and, um, and I love it. I mean, this is – I don't mind at all. I've heard people groan before about waking up and going to their jobs. Uh, this is a job I absolutely love. I get to play with computers all day long and, uh, and get paid to do it. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So um, I'm working now on my master's degree. Can't really say that I enjoy that nearly as much as, as teaching, but I guess it's something that you got to do. So, uh, so Josh, now for you. Well, um, my name's Josh Joseph. I am from a small town in Ohio called Pedro. I came to originally came to Marshall right out of high school to, as a music major. I had a full scholarship, more or less, playing the drums. I did one semester, didn't like it, changed over to Marshall Community Technical College, finished up my two-year Started working part-time for the college during that time just as a computer technician, working on different things, lots of hands-on stuff that I enjoyed. Um, Finished my bachelor's, and during the last couple years of my bachelor's, I started picking up um, a gaming one class, which we'll talk about later, Um, and eventually led to more classes, which eventually led to me moving away from the technician side of things to instructing and now I'm a full-time instructor in my second year and couldn't ask for a better job. You kind of came to it about the same way I did and the fact that um, 
once you had taken the classes here, I don't, I don't know if they just recognize it or whatever, but a lot of times someone will come up to you and say, hey, you know, you might want to teach a class here. So I found that both of us started teaching as part-time instructors or adjunct instructors, and then we actually liked it. So based on that, they started giving us more and more classes, and, and here we are now as full-time instructors. So no matter how we came from it, we eventually got in the same exact same, same avenue and, and went from there. Yeah. So. I went through, never thought I'd be teaching, never planned on it. I still have a hard time standing up in front of a crowd. I have a hard <laughs> time talking into a microphone right now because I get nervous. Right. But yet somehow I can stand up in front of a classroom and with a little bit of confidence get through and hopefully you know pass some the right knowledge off to the students. So. Well, my mom was... Uh, my mom was and still is in the school system, so she. I actually had her as my music teacher when I was uh, in in middle school as well as uh, in elementary school. But but I agree. I I never actually thought of uh, originally being a teacher, but it was um, in one of the Microsoft classes that I took here that one of the instructors one day was like, "Why don't you get up here and teach the class?" and it, I thought it was a joke at first, but I got up there and I didn't mind it. Um, I, I knew what was going on that day, but yeah, I never really expected to do that, and uh, I really, really enjoy it now. It, it, the fun part about it, I find, is it keeps you current. Yeah. My my biggest worry was if I ever got a job. I mean, originally I did computer consulting for a while, but if I'd ever gone out and gotten a job at a at a normal business they're not going to be uh recycling their software and their products like every two to three years they're going to want to hold on to it longer and the opportunity that the academic field uh, allows me is since everything is constantly changing i need to keep my skills up to date to then teach somebody else so i can stay much more fresh and abreast of the new things than i might be if i got into a job and, and they were wanting to use software for 10 to 12 years so exactly yeah, I think one of the, one of the biggest things I noticed was even from the first year coming in to the fourth, fifth year senior situation, which most people get into now, the software's already changed. Mm-hmm. Everything that you learned from that first year has already been updated and changed from that last year. Right. So even then, luckily, we're in a field where we're able to update our curriculum, we're able to learn the new things and keep up with what's going on. And um, I think we do very 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 good job of of keeping with the current trends and 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 things with with technology so well i always tell students because because they say am i going to be ready to get a job the second i graduate and and i have to give them the cold hard facts up front Mm -hmm. and say we're not history teachers and we're not we're not math teachers and um, by the time you graduate technology is going to change so if you're going to be any type of person in the it field I hope you're prepared to have a lifetime of, of learning exactly. ahead of you because employers are going to expect it, especially if you go and work for someone and you're a consulting firm. They're going to be paid by, by, by large companies to make sure that you know the newest technology that they want to adopt. And so you're not going to have any chance to rest on your laurels and be like, well, I know 2 plus 2 equals 4. <laughs> it has for the last 400 years. Exactly. You're going to have to know the newest and latest and greatest thing so so yeah so that's that's basically who we are um 
a section we want to add. We're still playing with the format of this, but we know that we know a couple of the hardened sections. So it's quite possible if you listen to this uh, a year from after the podcast has been started, <laughs> you may find it sounds a lot different than it does once we really get into the groove. But one of the big things we want to focus on here is talking as best we can directly to our MCTC students. And because of that, this will be a timely pod, timely podcast and the fact that we're about ready to jump into week four of our spring 2012 semester. And so we do have a section where we want to offer a couple of reminders to students because we know how difficult and how fast-paced a semester can be, and we know how you can easily forget about things. So this being a podcast that being recorded near the end of January and it might come out a little bit after that. I know it's going to be dated when I say that, but these are important reminders to know. So uh, I just have three of them here and some of them are actually a ways off, but February 10th, in case any of our students are currently enrolled in eight weeks courses, which I know we currently offer quite a few eight weeks courses, you need to be aware that if you're not doing so hot in that class right now and you need to drop that class, you need to be aware to do it by February 10th of this year. So based on when we're recording this podcast, that's just about a mere two weeks away. And why that's so important for you to drop that class is because you don't want to have an F on your uh, permanent record. That F does stay on there even if you retake the class and you get a different grade that will be on there. Um, also, I'm not a financial aid expert, but I do think that doing a withdrawal as opposed to getting an F might actually look better on your financial aid than going ahead and failing the class. So that's something to keep in mind too if you're worried about making sure you have financial aid for the next year. So the 10th of February is the last day to drop a first eight weeks course. And I'll also mention uh, February 29th, this is leap year. So the year, the, the day we have once every four years, uh, February 29th, will be mid-semester. So be keeping in the back of your mind that you're probably going to be seeing an awful lot of midterms coming up very, very quickly. So that's, semester's flying. Yeah, semester's <laughs> flying. That's fastly approaching. Wow. And then, of course, if midterm's there, you know that if you've signed up for a second eight weeks course, that it's going to be starting the very next day. So many students forget halfway through the semester that they signed up for a second eight weeks course. So don't forget about that. Make sure you're getting your books for that. Make sure you have everything ready. Because if you think regular college flies by fast, eight weeks courses, of course, fly by twice as fast. So make sure you get all that stuff ready. So for now, that's the only important updates. As we get more into the semester, I'm sure I will have other reminders to bring up. But uh, I just wanted to bring those up for everyone here at MCTC. So now let's get into a section that we're going to be starting on that's going to be basically IT links or related stories in the news that we think might be of interest. And uh, one of the biggest things that we've been dealing with quite recently, Josh, is uh, Google talking about updating their policy. Yep, we just saw this. I just saw this on the news, or actually on the website yesterday when I typed in Google.com, went to Google's page, top right corner, little drop down thing says, please read our updated uh, Poli policy. Privacy, pol yeah, yeah, privacy policy. Um, <clears throat> didn't think a whole lot about it, but apparently it's, what did you say it's doing? Well, I what mean, Google, 
Google is a company that seems to have massed a lot of, of different smaller companies. And then they own YouTube now. Several years ago, they purchased uh, Blogspot. Uh, so they've, they've just kind of slowly been to acquire, been acquiring a lot of different companies. And they say at this point they have over 60-plus privacy policies. And that's probably been due to them buying and acquiring all these different companies. Their stance is they're wanting to make one policy instead of 60 that governs everything. Okay. What everybody else doesn't like about it is there seems to be an aspect to the privacy policy that mentions data mining. Okay. which is the That's idea it. that Google will be taking information possibly from the searches I make when I'm logged into my Google account. They may look at what I'm searching for and they may sell that to, to other people. Now, I understand that a lot of people are concerned about this. Google's biggest uh, statement that they always like to say internally at their company is, do no evil. Do no evil. And a lot of people <laughs> are saying this is the end of don't be evil, basically. Well, does the data mining happen if you are not logged in to your Google account? Well, the or data mining might happen, but the idea is they wouldn't be able to track they you at that track point. You. Okay. Yeah. If I'm logged in as Patrick Smith, uh, let's say I've got a Gmail account and I'm logged in. Yep. When I'm logged in, if I jump from Gmail to Google Plus to even my, my Google homepage mm -hmm. for search, that's all being tracked all by being me. Tracked. Now, at this point, people like Facebook already do this. Yeah, exactly. Um, we already know, get the... The singles ads and the yeah all those ads on well, the side and I, game and I've, ads. I've even I've even been on the other side of that because um, I, I'm I'm a co-owner of a photography and graphic design company, and we have actually done advertising on Facebook before, yep. and it's amazing how specific you can do with that type of thing. When you're on Facebook, we were going in, and, and of course being a being someone who would shoot weddings or maybe shoot senior pictures, we don't want to try to shoot pictures for someone in Washington, D.C. Exactly. or even Washington State. We want to be as local as possible. We were able to pick out individual zip codes. And on top of that, we were even able to pick out based on ages. Wow. Like if we were going to do senior uh, portraits promotions, we'd want to be able to do like 17 and 18-year-olds, uh, try to target them, or maybe their parents, which would be kind of harder but the idea was we could have gone down and made an ad that would have only shown on the right side there of Facebook for a 17-year-old that lived in Huntington, West Virginia. So very specific demographics. Yeah, which, and, which and you can add how in the world can they do that? Because when people join Facebook, exactly. they, they put in their date yeah. of birth. They mm -hmm. put in where they're from. And a lot of times they're freely putting this stuff in. They're like, yeah. I'd love people to know this. I want people to know. And then based on that, advertisers can target their markets, and they love that. And so Google's going to be doing that a lot. And, you know, Google already seems to do that a bit because they have that AdSense. Yeah, and then they also have, when you type in a search, they have those top three. Um, they give you their recommendations, too. Right, it's companies. Kind of, yeah. yeah, if you search for, like, car rental, maybe some company like Hertz yeah. has asked for, their, for theirs the, to be yeah. on top. Yeah. But I also know that if you have a Gmail account uh, mm -hmm. and you, you've opened a letter that's in regard to... Hmm. Well, let's say it's in regard to a car you're thinking about buying. I would not be surprised when you open that letter if you don't look at the top of the page and see an ad that's related to some sort of cars. So because of that, they already are doing AdSense and those type of things. This is now saying that they're going to be allowing the data mining to be used by third parties. Wow. 
I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that everything is free with Google. Exactly. I mean, we've got Google Docs. We've got YouTube. We've got their search engine. We've got Google Plus. We've got uh, the blogs with Blogspot. Yeah, Blogspot. At some some point, Longer. they're going to have to start making more money. Mm-hmm. I know they already are now with, with searches and, like you said, the ability for people to put their company up top. But that's going to have to come up. And all the all these changes are happening come March 1st. The biggest thing I see is we're kind of at the mercy. It seems like Google's played the long game with this because they're looking at it. They, they enticed everyone to get Gmail accounts. They, they entice people to say, look, we have, like, gigs of free space for you. Save all your mail here. Save all your pictures. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that when you went to the movies recently, but every time I go to the movies now, they always have a, a Gmail ad up front about the whole idea is this guy is cataloging his daughter's entire oh, life. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like you were born. connecting to, all, all of those things. The yeah. Google Chrome browser and the yeah. Gmail account. You were born today. Yeah. Here's a video of you swimming and all this. I'm going to email this to Set up this email for you when you're mm-hmm. baby. And, yeah, you yeah. can look at it when you're 18. They're asking for all this data. Yep. Now we're all attached, you know, to basically Google's teat as it is. <laughs> and at this point, now they're like, now guess what? Here comes the pain. So because of that, we're going to be moving into... At come March 1st, you either have to get all that stuff back on your computer or you just roll over and say, fine, Google, give me the policy, I'll take it, and uh, and you can have my data. I mean, we're kind of going to be at their mercy whether we like it or so not. So they're bringing the pain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't like it, then you have to do the inconvenient thing and bring down all that data. So, or you can just use Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, or you could try me out, I'm but just, I don't know where you're going to post your YouTube videos exactly. that don't go YouTube. Exactly. Where are you going to save all your mail? Um, you know, now now yeah. you can use Bing as a browser. Yeah, they've use, taken their use time. Use a Hotmail account. And Google's taking their time and just slowly taking over taking mm-hmm. over what we all use. So. Yeah. So, Definitely. I mean, I understand that they're trying to say, look, we have 60 different policies and because we've acquired so many companies, we want to make one and simplify it. And I don't know, it just, it just depends on the type of person you are. If you're a person that does not like to give any of your information up, this is probably really going to shock you, and you're probably going to go ahead and, and turn that stuff off. And as you mentioned earlier, um, this is tracking you while you're logged on. Now, it's very inconvenient, but you could log out every time you check your Gmail. And yep. if you sign off of Gmail, then when you go back to Google and you do a search for something, you won't be signed in anymore. But as humans, we're pretty lazy. I mean, I talk about that type of stuff in my computer security class, that we're lazy types of people. And um, because of that, with technology especially, we'd like to have it save our passwords. If you go to Netflix, everyone has it save their password to their computer. And then six months from now... They've forgotten their password because they never retyped it. So Google knows that they can that they can get away with that because people will sometimes be a little lazy about it. So that's our okay. that's our biggest thing that's in the news recently here, and it's going to take effect come March first. So if you use any Google services, and remember YouTube's involved in that too, even though it's not called Google, YouTube's YouTube. definitely there. That's going to be affected as well. Yeah. So. <clears throat> That's another big thing. So as we go on week by week, we'll be trying to find new stories that we think 
would be pertinent to uh, to people in the information technology world and, and definitely our students as well. Yeah, there's not a whole lot else to talk about because of all of the recent SOPA PIPA stuff. We're just not going to talk about that because there's that's an you can get right. supply of information on that. Yeah, so. that came out that came out weeks ago, and as it stands right now, um, that's going to be happening quite a bit a little bit later yeah. on too. Yeah. So, I'm sure that that's going to be re-entering <laughs> into the exactly. into the area. Yeah. So. But now let's move on to a section that we plan to cover uh, most weeks. As we as we go through this, we're going to want to be able to have interviews with people. We're going to try to bring you in people either from the industry to talk about the types of students they would like to be able to hire, students and the type of skills they would have. We're also going to have interviews with different professors and instructors to go ahead and give you an idea of what their classes entail because maybe you just entered to college uh, or maybe you're thinking about taking classes. I mean, anybody on the internet can be listening to this. Anybody could find us on iTunes. So you may listen to this and someone may talk about a particular class and that may interest you. So you don't have to be here in the Huntington area or even in West Virginia to be able to enjoy uh, what we're gonna be talking about with these classes. You may find you have an interest in a class and you may try to go to your own local community college or university slash college and take a class. So we're going to be looking today at two different curriculums. Um, basically Josh and I are going to be interviewing ourselves. So very first one we're going to be talking about are going to be involved in what Josh and I are doing uh, in our classrooms right now. And so here at MCTC we currently have six different options we offer. And so if you want to think of it as it's kind of like majors. We are a community college and West Virginia's community college system is not necessarily going to be like all the other states. We have the freedom to kind of pick and choose how ours works. So since we're only a two-year uh, institution, we don't get to have majors and minors per se. We have diplomas you get, but we have different options and that specifies what you're in. So the first option we're going to talk about today is the one that I'm over and it's MCTC's Network Systems Administration option. And anybody who's interested in, in looking at what we're gonna be talking about, you're more than welcome to go to uh, Mount West's website, which is www.mctc, short for Mount West Community and Technical College, .edu. So at mctc.edu, at the very top of our web page, there's a link for courses. It looks like a tab. It's about halfway over the page. Um, and beside of that, there's an area called Programs of Study. And then in Programs of Study, you'll see a whole area listing all the different programs we're going to be talking about. And today, we're going to hit upon two associate degrees we offer and one certificate program. So in the associate degrees, when you scroll down, you'll find our area for information technology. And like I say, the first one I'm talking about is the Network Systems Administration. And this is actually a uh, degree that both Josh and I had gone through when we were students here. It's an ever-changing degree because Microsoft is an ever-changing company. But the Network Systems Administration degree is really a degree that's gearing you up for Microsoft certifications. One of the biggest things that we try to do here at our college and that the industry itself really wants to see 
is certifications if possible. And this particular option you can choose is chocked full of certifications. If you go out to monster.com or other job searching websites and you look for an IT degree or an IT job that, that they want you to have a degree for, you will see a giant list of acronyms all spouting out all these different uh, certifications they want. Yes, as instructors at Mount West, we can give you an A for a class, and that probably means a lot to you. It might mean something to your employer, but every employer may not know MCTC as a company, but I'll bet you every employee does know, or every employer does know who Microsoft is. And so with this particular certification, we're talking about trying to prepare you what used for what used to be called the MCSE, or the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. Microsoft's recently changed that moniker with their Server 2008, so these days they call you an MCITP, which is short for Microsoft Certified IT Professional. So the classes that are IT related in this, because of course you're going to have to have some general education courses. You're going to have to have some writing. You're going to have to have some math to get you some background. But the IT related classes that we offer in here are especially towards that Microsoft in. Now there's a course that we offer called IT120, which every student has to take, I would say for the most part, that comes through our IT program, which is a generic operating systems course. But talking about the courses that I teach that are Microsoft focused, there's a, an additional course after the IT120 that I currently teach with Windows 7, and it's called IT221 Advanced Operating Systems. In that course, we focus on Windows 7 as an operating system, as a client and a domain, and all the pieces that go into that. We also try to get you enough experience to be able to be prepared to go and sit for the Microsoft test for that, because Microsoft does have a test you can take for Windows 7 called the 7680 exam. And that's one of the tests you can use on your way to becoming an MCITP. You have to have a client exam. So in that course, there is a, cert a certification you can take at the end of it for industry recognition by employers. And, and you may be thinking at this point, well, that's Windows 7. Do they offer the other clients? And yes, they do. We don't always teach a lot of the older uh, client classes, but I do know I've had several students before who's either worked for the VA or the Army Corps of Engineer, and a lot of them go back and, for example, will take the Windows XP exam because at their corporation they're at or at their institution, that's the main client operating system of choice. So they find it's going to give them a better competitive advantage when they go to get a job to go and sit for those. So if you had any questions about those, you'd be more than welcome to, to go ahead and come see me, and I could, I could help you with that. At the end, we're going to tell you about a Twitter account that we have for this particular podcast, and you're more than welcome to send us any messages, either related to what we talk about on the podcast or general questions you'd like us to answer, and we'll do our best to get you a response to, to anything you want to know. But I teach that course, and really what makes this particular option uh, special amongst the rest is I offer seven courses that are Microsoft-related. Uh, they're called the Networking Administration 1 through 7 courses. And these change every couple of years. 
Uh, for example, when I, when I actually took these classes uh, back in 1999, we were just starting the particular degree that I'm talking about, and they were NT4-based because NT4 was the current Microsoft server technology. I later took 2000's version, Windows 2000. I know, Josh, when you took it, they were using Server 2003. Yep, 2003. And uh, just a couple years ago, I switched it up to now be Server 2008-based. So at this point, um, for anybody out there who wants to look at the different tests you could be taking, we cover the classes that go ahead and work you through taking um, the 70640 exam, which is an Active Directory test. 642, which is a network infrastructure exam. 643, which is the application infrastructure exam. Uh, the fourth class that you take is actually 646, which is the system administrator exam. Those are all in one semester, those first four you take in one semester. And the interesting style in which I teach those, instead of a student having to show up Monday night with the first book, Tuesday night with the second book, Wednesday with the third book, and of course, the fourth book on Thursday night. Instead of doing that, we go ahead and have students sign up for all four classes. Once you're signed up for all four classes, I know that I have a captive audience all week long. So instead of going ahead and doing one, two, three, four, we decide to focus on the first book for roughly four straight weeks. That way, you've got one thing running through your mind, not four different things. And so as we go through those, we work our way through book one, book two, book three, and book four. Now the second semester, it still works very similarly, except you only have three classes. Uh, the fifth course we offer is a client course. At this point, it's Windows Vista. So that's five. Uh, the sixth course we do is an Exchange 2007 class. And the last class is the Enterprise Administrator. And like I say, for anybody who is wanting to know the actual test equivalents, uh, the VISTA course, which is the fifth class, is the 620 exam, 70-620. The exchange is um, 236, I believe, 70-236 exam. And the last class, the Enterprise Administrator, is 647. So we offer those classes to try to prep you for the exam. Uh, of course, a lot of experience needs to go into those. So when we teach those courses, you either have hands-on labs in class or now Microsoft also offers online virtual labs that you can use. The great thing I love about the online virtual labs is they give you a six-month key. That way, in case you really want to go take the exams, which definitely costs a lot of money and you may not have the money available during the semester, the great thing about having the six-month length for the test key or for the, uh, for the lab key means that even though you have me in class for three months, maybe during summer, you could still go back and revisit that operating system and work on that operating system to get prepped for your exam. And so the whole idea with those core classes we're talking about is to go ahead and prepare you to get those degrees. And so you would eventually get, if you pass all the Microsoft exams, your MCITP server administrator, which a lot of people these days equate to what was called the MCSA, the Microsoft Certified Systems Administrator. And that's what you can get by the end of the first semester. By the end of the second semester, you should be able to fully get and achieve the MCITP Enterprise Administrator, which is what a lot of people equate 
uh, to the MCSC that we had previously with NT4 2000 and 2003. The other two classes of note that I think that are very, very good in this curriculum is that we have an IT230 class, which is called Network Communications. That class is trying to gear you up to go and sit for your CompTIA Network Plus exam. And also IT224, which IT224 is another class that I teach, which is called Fundamentals of Network Security. That class is preparing you to go and sit for your CompTIA Security Plus exam. So this particular um, option that we offer has a lot of different certificate tracks that you can try to go ahead and do. And like I say, employers love to see that you have certifications if possible, because not all of our options do have certifications possible because some of the more creative options, if you go and sit for a certificate, all that proves is that you know how to proficiently use the program, not that you have any creative ability to it. But in this case here, being a networking degree, there are a lot of great certificates you could go and, and test for to show a, a particular employer that you have even more knowledge to go with that information. So that's the Microsoft two-year degree. Uh, I mentioned earlier there was going to be a one-year certificate that I was going to talk about. If you do look on our website, under the one-year certificate option, Microsoft does have a one-year certificate. It's really not much different than what I was just explaining to you. Um, of course, being called a one-year certificate, guess what? It, it takes a year. That's the idea. This is mainly for people who are already in the workforce and they want to come back and update their skills. Now, if you come back to get this, the idea of our curriculum is it should take you a year. But also the idea is this is an accelerated version, and because of that, you'd already have to have some core computer classes out of the way. But the big emphasis there is, of course, in that one year, you will cover those seven Microsoft Network Administration courses that I referred to, as well as the IT230, the Network Plus style class, and the IT224. So it's really trying to chalk it as full as it can with uh, certificates that you can go ahead and use there. So the other one we're going to be talking about here today is the Animation and Game Developer. It's a two-year degree, and uh, both Josh and I have taught in this particular degree, so I may chime in here every once in a while or add a little footnote, but uh, I'll let you take it away, Josh. Okay, the um, Animation and Game Developer degree option that we offer, um, essentially, can uh, we got some things here, some things you're going to learn design software, programming languages, modeling and animation skills, web graphic design, and game engine used to design and develop games. Um, it's very creative. It's, it is. It's very creative. It's, um, it's very much a program in which the students get to express a lot of creativity that they would not get to express in any other program that we have at this point. Um, whereas, like, with the Microsoft you're essentially learning Microsoft, their programs, cut and dry in a sense. You know, this is the rules, this is how this goes, this is how this goes. Whereas in, in the animation game developer degree, we cover some programming languages where you take that programming language and you run with it. You can create your own thing. We cover some design software, um, some things like Adobe Flash, 
where it's, you know, essentially whatever you can think of, you can create. You just have to put in the time for it. Um, this is a, still a fairly new, what is it, second year, full year that we've done it? We started it, and now it's our second full year of students going through it? Um, no, at this point, uh, you're going to talk about the Global Lawyer Program here in a minute, but at this point, we're already in the, the fifth year with them. So I would say I know the first year uh, and the second year were, were more of um, this was first being created. I would say this is at least the, fir- the third at least third. the full okay, cause, year. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, like, I know last year was really the first big group of students that we had to go through. There was four or five that graduated with this. Well, I do know that what, what Josh is referring to is a lot of times when you create a curriculum, you have to get a flow of students yep. to come in. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's like any time someone decides to, uh, to start any project, you have to build up your students that can mm-hmm. stay in the program to get through all yep. four semesters. And so last year was the first time you officially taught the fourth class, which is going to end the whole thing. So for the first couple years, we were building up students trying to have enough to be Mm -hmm. able to complete that. So in that case, I know what you mean. Yeah, a lot of students were doing, taking those classes along with Microsoft and other things that were ending with those ones. So I guess guess the way to say it is this is the second year we've had people graduate with this. So if you go on that idea. Yeah. The implication is you got to have two years before they can graduate. So yeah, we're probably on a good full four years. Four, yeah. yeah, of this program. Okay. That's and what I was. We yeah. originally had a program similar to this, but it was strictly a programming, programming. option. Yeah. And this one is now bringing in a lot of the the game creation aspects. So, and I figure <clears throat> most of the classes we're going to be talking about here, just to kind of preface for people, are going to be programming language intensive. So yeah. this is this is a very different option. Oh, uh, yeah. apart from the Microsoft option. Yeah. Um, some of the first classes you take in your first semester, uh, for instance, IT 171, Introduction to Gaming Concepts 1. Um, we, what has it been? This is our fifth year with... Mm-hmm. Fifth year. In our Globoria yeah, we've process. Been, we've been working with a... With a um, a nonprofit organization called uh, the Worldwide oh, Workshop, Workshop, who has an initiative called Global Aurea. And the, the great thing about this partnership is we provide the students and we teach the stuff, and they pro- have provided us with, a, with an online content uh, learning system learning that has system, the, yeah. the stuff there. So it's been very, very beneficial, I think. Yeah. Um, essentially, students, their curriculum, their for this course, their their textbook, per se, were, was a is an online wiki mm-hmm. where all of the um, tools that they need, videos, help, um, anything like that that they need for the course can be found using any web browser on any computer. Um, and of course, for the student, that's a free textbook. It's a free textbook, and it's really there trying is no textbook to, required. Yeah, really trying to engage with the Web 2.0 skills there. Yeah, all the things we were talking about that Google now has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So the students are able to go out. Log, they have to log into this this website, um, this wiki, and they're able to read um, topics in a sense that it's it's laid out. For the semester, they start with the basic, you know, here's how you're going to do this, here's how you're going to do this. 
they're going to read through that. They have each have their own profile page where they're able to edit using the 2.0, Web 2.0 stuff, and they're able to upload um, their files. But throughout this course, they're learning um, how to code using Adobe Flash. Mm-hmm. Adobe Flash is just another part of the big Adobe suite. A lot of people know what Photoshop is, Adobe Photoshop. Adobe Flash is the program used um, and has been used for years for a lot of websites. Um, it's, it's one of the things that you hear about people saying that they're killing off uh, with HTML5, but right now it's still alive and mm-hmm. kicking. Um, we were just well, talking about this. One of, one of, the, one of the big complaints uh, that you've, you've heard, a lot of the, the, the rumblings, is that Apple didn't support Flash yep. Player. And so anybody who's not an IT person but may have heard of Flash, that's the thing that's that I can't watch on my iPad for some reason that I can watch on my computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's essentially that's really what it's coming down to. Is mm-hmm. it's, it's a battle of what can be played on, you know, these everybody's got these iPads and these readers and all this stuff. If they don't support that in their browsers or, you know, for access, then a lot of people are assuming that just to kill it off. And, right. you know, essentially with HTML5 coming out, I don't know much about it. It's still new to me. Um, supposed to be, you know, somewhat. Be- it's got its pros. It's got its cons. Same with Flash. But um, with with this, any of these um, Facebook games, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, all programming Flash still, um, everything like that, we use uh, Flash for, and it's still uh, essentially it's an easy uh, it's an easy programming tool um, to get an immediate response with. I think the best thing about it is that's 171, IT 171, Gaming 1. Mm-hmm. We used to, we like to call it for shorthand yeah, or one. Introduction to Gaming Concepts. That's a student's um, gateway into programming. Yep. And so that's a really great class because it's so visual in it. Mm-hmm. And it, And the thing I really like in that class, you think when you hear technical college, you think, oh, they're going to teach me how to do something. And that's true. We do do that. But this, this particular class also provides a lot of creative aspect because your students do not get to start making their game until they have a story and they already have an idea. I mean, in the industry, people prototype all the time. Yep. And yep. you do have your students paper prototype it's, every single game idea. It's very much like a storyboard for a movie or for mm-hmm. a video game if, yep. if anybody has these special edition video games that come with behind-the-scenes DVDs. On mm-hmm. these behind-the-scenes DVDs, what do they start with? Sketches, storyboards. They lay all of that stuff out before they even touch, you know, the computers. Well, they're going to spend millions so, of dollars to create this game. They exactly. want to make sure they know the they game they're going to sure. create from the get-go. Yep. And changes can be made later, but, mm-hmm. you know, essentially you have that laid out. Plus, it's also, Gaming One is a very good class to, if you're not sure if it's something you want to do, um, you kind of want to get your, you know, get a feel for it. It's very much, um, it can be a make or break class in the sense that maybe programming is not for you. Maybe maybe something else in the IT field is for you, but maybe programming um, isn't. Um, and it might take a little bit to figure that out, but, you know, that's that's why so we have saying, drop dates. And You're saying if we, if we have a student who's currently maybe declared themselves undecided, undecided. and they're curious whether programming is for them, mm-hmm. That's going to be the, 
elementary is not a good word for it, but that's going to be their first step in to see what's going to be like. There's going to be much tougher classes later. Yes. But they can use that cat class as a barometer, basically, Definitely. to figure out, wow, do I really like this and I've really embraced it, or do I need to look at another option instead? Yeah, and that's what I really try to tell a lot of them now that come in, because some of them, they, they know they want to do IT. They want to do computers, which is, you know, best field to be in right now, in my opinion, um, is IT. But they come in and they're like, okay, what is this, you know? And some of it can be somewhat misleading in, in the sense that they'll see gaming or gaming concepts and they assume, some people assume it's just games and you're going to play games all semester and that is that is not the case. Yeah. We've had this, you know, it's a constant argument. I know not just here, with but with other colleges. Um, it's well, about not, not even Not even colleges. You no. look... You look across the USA at all, oh, and yeah. you hear so many educators hearing the concept of we're going to teach them gaming, and they immediately assume that even the high school and middle school students are just playing games. Playing games. And there's so much more to it. Yeah. I wish it were just playing games all the time. Right, right. I mean, I, it's... I would, I would come back just I would, to take yeah, that class. I would take my class over and over and over again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it does, and it does take some time to get started with the coding. You know, you be patient plan everything out it comes easier um, but we go over the action script programming language which is used in um, Adobe Flash and you know the idea is after the first semester of that class they have somewhat of a demo hopefully a level maybe two levels of their flash game created and then in the next semester they take uh, intro to gaming Con introduction to gaming concepts two, which leads into a lot more coding. You come right in, you, you're using your game from the previous semester, bringing it straight over and going, okay, let's make this something, you know, a lot more than what it is. And then, you know, hopefully you have a full game by the end of the semester. So the idea there is they, they basically get a year with year. those two semesters mm -hmm. uh, to develop, hone, and refine a concept. Yep. And, and the, great thing, <clears throat> the great thing I'll say about those classes, uh, especially in this section, is there's so many more soft skills that a student picks up that they may not realize. Yep. Because anytime you're going to do programming, if you're going to want someone's help, you got to have good communication skills to explain your concept to them and explain to them what the program's doing and how to fix what they need to fix. Yep. So you've got your 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 communication. They got to especially have their critical thinking to figure out how to go ahead and fix things. There's so many people who do Google searches, <laughs> and I don't know what skill you call that, but I call that using the internet. I mean, yeah, you need you need to find that in, in any job. You need to figure out how to find something out. Yeah. And so there's so much more than just oh, I got programming out of this class that they get. Yeah, I mean it's so. it's a lot of well, everything that's laid out with their game is is research, mm -hmm. citing where they found those resources at. Mm -hmm. um, so it's you know covers a lot lot more bases than just programming it covers you know right all the research and development and things like that so i will just hit briefly upon a, a previous class right above that in in the students first semester they yeah. also take a course uh, called it 110 which is uh, computer skills for designers we hope throughout this semester like i say to be able to bring in some other professors and have them talk about their background and and the classes more in depth as to what they teach because you may find an interest in their classes but this is one of the classes that we introduced with the gaming program because as you said so many students were going to have to come in and understand flash this is a class i equate to um 
Well, it's called computer skills for designers, and I think that's a pretty good word for it because any university or college you attend, there's typically a computer class you take your first semester, but that computer class is Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. It's more computer skills for productive people or productivity people, and this class focuses more heavily on the creative side. So in that class, um, just to give you a brief synopsis, they typically go through some Photoshop, some Flash, some Illustrator, uh, some something else. Did I mention Photoshop? Yeah. yeah. Basically. In design? Yes, in, in design. design. All the Adobe products, you get a good mm -hmm. feel for them. And that kind of just starts off your first semester on a creative high note, Very especially much. with Gaming 1 and that one so that you get those skills that more often than not you may not get unless you were in a four-year art program. Yep. And so they're good to be able to have here at a two-year institution. Yep. Um, and then also in that first semester, you've got an English and a math. Um, yeah, just common stuff you've got to get gen, you know, gen ed requirements. Um, second semester, you start taking IT 107, Fundamentals of the Internet. Again, that's really Internet, use of the Internet, right? Kind of what yeah, you mentioned that's before. Like, that's like browsing browsing the Internet, learning what FTP and Gopher is. Yeah. I mean, that's a I would equate that pretty much to a general education class. Yeah. But a class that we do have there in the second semester, you've already mentioned the gaming class, mm -hmm. Gaming 2, but they also pick up their, their second language because they have mm -hmm. that IT 115 class, which is the second okay. language besides Flash Action Script. They learn. Yep. They pick up Visual Basic. Yeah, Intro to Basic is um, class that teaches you how to use Visual Basic, which is a uh, Microsoft Windows programming language um, used in their video Visual Studio Suite. Um, and a lot of people from the 80s, early 90s talk about using BASIC and things like that, computer program. Um, and it's just went from there and, you know, grown and, and grown and grown and grown through the years. Um, and it can make, uh, you know, simple programs, um, do this or that. It's Windows applications based, more or less. Um, well, these days, many programs you download on the Internet that are, shareware or done by a small yep. company yep. and they're on windows exactly they made it in visual made basic it basic i mean i can remember working for a consulting company and we would regularly have a programmer guy there who would make uh what they call line of business applications like customly made applications yep. for businesses and we made a lot of money off them so knowing visual basic uh, is a very good avenue now, later on you're going to talk about gaming four it seems that Visual Basic is slowly starting to get taken over by yeah. our fourth gaming class. Yeah. And, and like with Visual Basic, visual being a key word, it's very, much, um, it's very much visual right off the bat. You're dragging I mean, it already starts, it already starts, starts with off, a window. It starts off with your form window. Mm -hmm. um, it starts off with your, your basic Windows application window with your, your drop-down, your mm -hmm. enlarge, and your close-out button. There's your first form. You have the option of dragging in text boxes and labels and all of this stuff. Put together online forms and, you know, essentially with, with very little code at first. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't take a whole lot to, to get an application up and running. Yeah, it's very powerful. So very powerful and, and very easy to use in, in that sense, too. So, 
Um, we got some more gen ed. Um, also, each of these semesters, something I forgot to mention, each of these semesters, all four of them, um, you will be taking an IT 298, which is the gaming and design internship course, which did you mention your internship course? I didn't. Actually, <clears throat> this is the only two-year degree we have that does it this way. Yeah. In the Microsoft course, there is an internship course. Basically, at the end of all of your mm -hmm. IT degrees, you have an internship course. In this one, you take it um, each semester for yeah. a one-hour course. The reason we did it this way is because that allows a student from their first semester to, to start developing themselves a portfolio. Since they just had your Flash class, yeah. they know a little bit about Flash, they've had um, the IT 110 class, they can start developing a nice, almost art-based portfolio yeah. from the get-go, as and opposed to waiting to the last semester. And trying to find everything. Yeah, because my students, when the type of things they put into their uh, portfolio they have to turn in are going to be more network-based they're not going to be expected to use flash to make nice designs animations and that type of thing so they can usually put theirs together in a word document but yeah. this is a great area for animation and game programmer developing students to shine yeah uh and and start early putting it all together i mean it's a perfect portfolio for any job any mm -hmm. job because just because you have a game and animation developer degree doesn't mean that you can't get a job as a programmer somewhere Right. You can take that information from your portfolio, show them, say, hey, you know, I also know how to do this. Because essentially you are a programmer. Well, but that's, I mean, it's just the, that's name. the same thing with, with all of our degrees. Mm -hmm. um, the degree says you are this, this. So the degree says you are that. And that's just simply a line on your resume. Exactly. But when you take in your portfolio, that's you saying, I say that I'm this thing or that thing, and here's the work I've done to prove it. Yep. And so in the case of this one, they can say they got an animation and game programmer degree. So what? Yep. Here's the programs here's I made. Here's the storyline I yep. developed. And when you show that, as they say, pictures are worth a thousand words. Well, your end game that you have is definitely worth more definitely. than a thousand words. Yep. Um, uh, so then the third semester, 212 publishing on the Internet. Um it's a little bit of a HTML. I was going to say, that's HTML. We, we hope to have, um, we have an entire web degree, and we hope to have the professor who's over that come in to a, uh, come into another podcast so that she can talk more heavily about what she offers in her web options. But that's a class that's also shared in hers. But uh, for the most part, it's HTML and cascading style sheets. So again, just more more programming in that sense. It's more, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's web programming, but that's still more programming, still programming. To, to throw on top. That's correct. Um, and then IT215, advanced programming, is using C++ programming language. And, and again, that's actually, we call it advanced programming, but, you know, kind of our nickname for it is Gaming 3, because so. that is a course that, like my Microsoft courses, that's a course that is unique to yeah. your degree as opposed to other people's degrees. Yeah, we have our our two intro gaming concepts that are gaming one, gaming two, mm -hmm. this advanced programming is gaming three. That's our nickname. Those are your core in our sense, mm -hmm. in our idea of right. it. Those are your four core, going to be your four core classes and, yeah. and, you know, for what you want. So in that, that's C++. Again, that's just, that's another um, application-based uh, Windows programming language. Um, it's console-based um, in that, 
most of what you program in there, uh, when you go to run it or when it's finished, it's going to run in a command prompt type format. Um, very little visual things to it. You can add visual things to you it. You can but, add visual things. Yeah. But for for what we use it for, um, this for is the most a, part, this is a massive programming language. It's huge. I mean, to be able to walk into a class day one and say you like running Windows Seven, well, it was written with the exact same programming exactly. language I'm going to teach you. That's there's just so much stuff. I mean, that's we could go on for hours about what's programmed in Objective C, C, mm-hmm. and C Without those programming languages, we wouldn't have anything. Well, um, if you go, if you go to a four-year institution, a lot of times they'll throw three full classes of C at you. Yep. So, I mean, this will be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, we, very much. We do have a two-year degree, so we're realistic about what we can teach you, but exposing you to as many programming it. languages as we can so that you at least have the ability when you see an employer to say, yes, I have some experience with that language is very helpful. And, yeah. and having C++, I believe having C++ in a two-year program is um, – I guess I guess is not usually the norm. That's highly ambitious, but we definitely need it yeah. for what comes up the next semester. Well, and especially some is better than none. Too. Yes. I mean, being able to say I've had a class in C plus plus, I at least know the basics um, plus more. True. I mean, we go we go as far as we can in sixteen weeks. The interesting thing that I'll say though, um, because originally I did not know C plus plus. Um, of course, I, I took when I took the classes here at MCTC, I had the Visual Basic course. It was way back in Visual Basic 6. I had that, and then when I left, because we're talking like 2000, 2001, when I left, I'd had the HTML and at the time some JavaScript. No one, know what, no one knew what CSS was yet. Yeah. But uh, I, I, felt, I found a passion for PHP and MySQL, um, which in the 250 class here in a minute, that's actually based on MySQL. But with PHP, someone once told me it was based on Perl, which got its start from C. And so even your ActionScript, a lot of the code you do in ActionScript is going to be very, very relatable to C. Because it seems like C and C++ are the godfathers of most programming languages. Yep. Unless you go to like Java, and then Java it's different. It's but, its own thing. But all kinds of things come from that. And ActionScript has its own basis. ActionScript 2.0, but definitely 3.0, 3.0. has its basis and in C and C++. Yep, definitely. Um, moving on with that, uh, IT250, mm-hmm. which you just mentioned, applications, deba- databases, goes into MySQL. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I used to teach that quite a bit here. Yeah, um, and the great thing about that is um, it, it's in there because so many programs, so many programming languages, and even for their Flash-based games, you've got to store information about your characters. I mean, for some reason, I immediately think of a, of a role-playing game. Anytime you play a role-playing game, there's all these things like hit points, uh, all these uh, defensive spells, uh, your plus five on magic and all that. Where are you storing all that variable information? Many times you have to have some form of a database. Yep. And a lot of times in, in a business environment, people want to have Microsoft Access taught. But having MySQL taught is a free server uh, that you can run, which is now owned by Oracle. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they really enjoy it. 
but that helps if you want to create your own website but it also helps if you want to have a nice database back end for uh, for whatever it may be because access does get kind of a, a bad name more as a small office home office style database yeah <clears throat> yeah because we with the, with the databases um, one of the first couple things I was actually showing in one of the classes I'm doing right now mm -hmm. was, which I hadn't done previously, was a database in the back end of um, C Sharp. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's just going to flow right into what, right. what goes on in 4. I mean, anytime a student plans to make a game that ambitious, having those skills in their toolbox is going to be very, very helpful. Um, so game, uh, so semester four, IT two thirteen, web graphic design, um, that goes on again with designing creativity. Mm -hmm. um, it's Photoshop, Photoshop and a lot of a lot of elements of design that go into that as well. So almost it's almost more of a advanced. Um, the computer skills for designers. This takes that even farther. Yes. Just a couple semesters yeah. later. Yeah, we hope so. to have the professor that teaches that come in, but the idea is they get a little bit of Photoshop and a little bit of elements of design in the first class, but they really get a lot of information with Photoshop in the second class yeah. as well. And so the idea there, the web graphic design, is on the web, yes, you've got the HTML, but you need to make it look pretty too. So that's what they throw in with that as well. Yep. And um, then IT242, Emerging yeah. Web Technologies. At this point, that's a PHP that's class. That's PHP. Mm -hmm. yep. Which I, I, used to, I used to teach that a lot, but um, we hope to have Kim come in and be able to talk about that. But yeah, basically, well, I used to, to kind of dovetail that one with the 250 because yeah. PHP oh, is an open language that, if, for anybody who doesn't know, anytime you go to a website like Amazon.com, and you're able to look at product descriptions. If you think about it, it's not like Amazon pu published web page files for millions of their products. They have a back end that can search for information and create dynamic web pages. So PHP is making those files for them. Yep. And so typically what I would do, and I think Kim's doing now, is she teaches in the uh, 250 course a whole bunch of MySQL, and at the end she just does the tip of the iceberg to get a little bit of PHP so they can make a web page that use that uh, database. Okay. And then in the 242, it's primarily a PHP class, but at the end she shows a little bit of MySQL so they can see how PHP can use a database. Yep. And I remember now, um, I actually took that class halfway through a couple semesters mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. um, when we had an instructor get sick and had to leave. Um, so yeah, PHP, which is you can do a lot with it. Mm -hmm. um, and the code does look an awful lot, once again, like C Sharp, yeah. or I mean uh, C++, C++ and ActionScript. Yep. Um, and then moving on, 272, Intro to 3D Modular Programming. Now this is the course that so many of our students um, ask about, especially once they start coming in. It's like, when, when are we going to start programming and, uh, you know, Xbox and games and all this stuff? Because that's, that's, that's what we say. That's the end that's result. That's it. That's our, our end result. Our gaming final four. Our final push, gaming mm -hmm. four, is programming in C Sharp and XNA. And C Sharp, again, is just a build off of C++, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but in my opinion, it, it allows you to get more visual with it. It gives you more more to start with. Um, a lot more files and a lot more code in that sense. Um, 
you start building off of uh, C++ with classes and objects and different programming things like that and then the C sharp rolls right into XNA and XNA is the programming language used to program Windows games, Xbox games um, and essentially if you can build it you can put it up on Xbox Live um, you know and well these days now they even talked about that Microsoft is going to release a connect sensor for yes. the PC. Yep. And they're talking about releasing that code sometime soon. See, they were supposed to do that last summer. They were going to release that code mm-hmm. that was written in C sharp mm-hmm. and they backed off and that this now we're finding out that that's why that they were, they decided back at the end that they were going to make this connect sensor for desktops and things like that and well I, I did hear a lot of people get bummed when they heard that their existing Xbox 360 Connect sensor yep. could not hook up to could their computer, could not hook up to their computer yeah. unless unless you hack it, which you know again that's we that's do a not another world. We, do, we do not condone we such do not things. Condone hacking, yeah, um, we do not want to be sued by Microsoft. That's exactly right. We do we do not condone that. So, and anybody who doesn't know what a Connect sensor is, if they're not into the gaming world, uh, the, the big the big thing now on Xbox is they have this this long thin sensor that you can plug into your Xbox and you can make movements like the Nintendo Wii allowed you to make except with just your body. Yep, no your controller. body was the controller. Yeah, it is the controller. Yeah, it's like it's like having a camera on you and it detects where you are in your living room it's and can of, move things. It can be creepy because I can walk you can you can have your Xbox on. Mm-hmm. It could go on standby mode. You can walk by your TV, that connect sensor picks it up. Boom, boop, your Xbox screen pops back up. Mm-hmm. It can somewhat be a little scary because it's, it's kind little, of looking it, into your life. It's a little 2001, it, you know. It, good morning, Dave. Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Um, but I, I have one. I don't use it very much, but right. it is pretty cool because of the integration now with Netflix and all the different apps with not having to use the controller, which is mm-hmm. that's you know, everybody wants everything hands free, right. but they don't want chips in their heads. Right. Um, so they want to well, be able to, for, you know, for good reason. For they good reason, yeah. But you don't want chips in your head. So. You don't want someone to be able to perform like an offline lobotomy of you while you're walking down the street. Exactly. I don't want to give them that much power. So um, with <laughs> with gaming four, right? We teach you um, teach the students how to uh, they're able to create games using C sharp and X and A. And right now we're in the fourth week. I've already busted through, and they're learning how to get the controller, um, the movement, different things like that. They're uploading their images into it. Um, so we're moving right along. So now the way you, the way you're teaching this, because like I say, you mentioned this is the second full year where we have students who've come to this end point. Exactly. It took us a while to build up the students. But this year you've been teaching them kind of in tandem. You've been teaching some C-sharp yep. and then some X and A. Yep. And C-sharp and X and A. Forth. Yeah, because yeah. it – one flows into the other, but they are two separate programming languages. But because of the how they're used within one another, um, I'm able to bounce back and forth and do, um, you know, a little bit of, excuse me, X and A lecture one day, mm-hmm. and and then the next day <clears throat> might be C sharp lecture. Um, but one of the things I'm trying out this semester, which I didn't do last spring, um, is where. I lecture one day, and then we have a lab the next class period where they're able to just take what we talked about with their books and things, and they're able to just start throwing stuff together, trying different things out, and it's 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 bringing up a lot more questions. Um, it's letting them, again, be more creative 
And so I feel that this is really going to bring um, a lot more out of the students, and I think we're going to end up with some, hopefully some decent um, playable Xbox games by okay. the end of the semester. So. Well, one thing that I'll bring back up earlier when we mentioned Visual Basic, mm-hmm. which was a class that was offered as IT 115, I mentioned that a lot of business people really like Visual Basic. It seems like these days there's more of a push that people are now having a lot of programs written in C-sharp. C-sharp is kind of supplanting it because mm-hmm. C-sharp is not nearly as frustrating to program as C++. Mm-hmm. You've got the visual aspect, yep. as you mentioned in there. So it seems like pretty soon we may, Visual Basic may go the way of the dinosaur. So the great thing is right now students are getting both. And I'd say if that ever went, we'd probably start going ahead and teach, teaching some C-sharp up front. Right off the bat. So our students could go ahead and have some, uh, some C++. When they get into C++, they'd know what they want. But in this particular option, you know, I mentioned the Microsoft option. There were classes that were unique to that Microsoft option. In this one, there's a lot of supporting classes we have in IT, but the big four, the big four that you'll see that this one's known for is the uh, 171, Introduction to Gaming Concepts 1, 271, Introduction to Gaming Concepts 2, IT 250, which is the advanced programming, which we like to affectionately call Gaming 3, which is C++, and the IT-272, Intro to 3D Modular Programming, which we like to affectionately call Gaming 4. Four. These are This is the reason this curriculum is here for these four classes, uh, to be supported by all the general education and other supporting IT classes. So um, a lot of programming going into this one here. So hopefully you like that, which is an interesting marriage because if you think about it, Normally, you would expect a programmer to be a logical-minded person, Mm -hmm. and you'd expect an artist to be a creative Creative person, person. and you were expected in this particular degree to have both of those things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the big differences between what our two-year technical college is doing compared to some four years where... I mean, right off the bat, I can think of a couple that are just teaching. Like, if you're getting a gaming degree from a four-year college, more than likely... It's programming side um, almost all the way through. Very seldom, if at all, are you going to find a four-year degree that has both the artistic side, you know, being able to draw or, you know, do these different, you know, operate these different programs where you can draw or not, and then also cover the programming side as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. And yeah. that's what I really think makes ours unique is we're giving the students the tools to essentially build a game by themselves. They don't have to have this artistic team and they don't have to have this programming team. They are both. Um, and, you know, we have to, you know, you tell the students, you don't have to be an artist because you don't have to be an artist to be able to do this kind of stuff. Know the programs, know the ropes, you can get this stuff done. Well, that, um, I mean, I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining our <laughs> two options we have. But here at the end, I want to add kind of a footnote to those. Uh, I want to talk about, for you and me, the classes that we may be teaching right now, which are a bit experimental, or classes that we haven't been able to add to this curriculum, because colleges are always in flux, and we are no different. Um, And so first, I want to mention that uh, there's two classes, well, actually, there's three classes that I'm teaching that I've made based on recommendations from our advisory committee meeting. Because what happens for us in the IT department is we have a meeting with people from our local industry, 
every semester. And we show them what we do and we show them what we got. And basically we ask them for feedback. We want to know um, how are our students doing because we often place students in internship programs with them. And so we want to know about that. We also want to know where we're lacking and what skills they're needing that they're not already seeing from their students. And so the three classes that I've created that are going to slowly work their way into my uh, network administration degree, the first class I officially taught it this fall. So it was uh, fall 2011. It's a class on storage technologies. It's been developed by EMC. They have a, a certification to go with it, so I'm always trying to find a, a, a certification track that I can utilize. But it's a course called Information Storage and Management. And for us, the class is IT 245. And I taught it this fall and had a great turnout in the class. And we learned all about uh, storage area networks and network attached storage devices. And they go way more in depth than Microsoft ever did. And it's really, really great because so many IT businesses are getting into the hosting or the virtualization side of things. And so a lot of people need to make sure they know ahead of time how to manage storage devices. All these companies are now hosting other people's email for them. Uh, they're basically becoming renters of space on hard drives, and our students need to be aware of that and have some experience. So that first class is a storage class. The second class I developed was a virtualization class called IT255 Virtualization Technologies. In that course, um, I would call it I would call it almost uh, an independent study type course, but that wouldn't that wouldn't be correct in the fact that the students are expected to show up for class. But in this course, students come in, it's a complete hands-on lab course. We go over and we test all kinds of uh, virtualization solutions that are out there. Currently, we look at, e uh, we look at uh, not EMC, but we look at VMware and Microsoft's virtualization line. So for example, the first couple classes, we may look at the, uh, the desktop virtualization. So we'll look at Microsoft's virtual PC. Then we'll go ahead and look at VMware's workstation, for example. And the students will go ahead and do hands-on on installing, creating, and managing different virtual machines. And they end up writing a reflection paper report on everything they've done. And I like going this route because anybody who leaves and goes into the IT industry is going to have to get accustomed to writing in work reports or writing reports that will go ahead and reflect on information for their bosses. What did you do at the job? They'll have to write these reports they turn in. And this will kind of get them accustomed to that, going ahead and summarizing everything they did. But it also gives them the idea and the ability to look at virtualization as a possibility they might have to see when they get a job. So we look at the personal side, like on the desktop. We look at the server side, like with VMware's ESXi server and Microsoft's Hyper-V servers. We even look at terminal servers like Microsoft's or um, VMware View with VMware. And we even look at application virtualization going down to AppV with Microsoft or ThinApp with um, VMware. So we try to cover all the aspects we can in kind of this entirely lab-based environment. And the last class that I've created, uh, which by the way, the virtualization class, 
I ran that uh, last summer in tandem with the next class I'm going to tell you about, but it's normally going to be a spring class. My idea is that the storage class will be a fall-based course and the virtualization will be a spring-based course. This last course, which is called or, um, Networking Practicum, IT293 Networking Practicum, is a course that I've taught three times and I always teach in the summer. It's kind of like a nice capstone to wrap up everything that my network administration students have gone through. And it is, once again, just like the virtualization, it's a hands-on based experience. But what I find is there's so many times in my Microsoft courses where I'm forced to talk about technologies that the students never get to see any hands-on approach to. We'll go through a, a particular chapter and there'll just be a small blurb in the chapter about oh yeah if you want to do more advanced things you can use a Microsoft product called System Center Configuration Manager and that's where they leave it and they never get to play with it. So in this networking practical course we have an entire lab full of removable hard drives and we go to town on being able to have experience install and work with a lot of these programs that we don't get to flesh out in the individual courses. So they get to play some with Exchange if they haven't already had the second semester of the courses. We look at a lot of the System Center classes. We play around with a little bit of virtualization, not an awful lot, but more some of the advanced enterprise level things such as System Center Virtual Machine Manager and those type of things all with the idea in mind that we're trying to give our students as much exposure to things that may be in the industry as possible and as much experience so when they walk in the door of a potential employer they can say yes I've used that some in class and I've even written summaries report summaries on my experience with that would you like to look at it so those are all three classes that I hope to be able to add in that curriculum soon and I know for certain Josh has one new class that uh, that he's working with this semester that he's hoping to add into the gaming program. Well, yeah. the gaming and animation, animation developer program. Yeah, the whole thing. Again, it's a um, it's right now it's special topics IT two eighty. It is the it is right now called iPad application development. Um, essentially, it is another programming course, um, but this one um, is dealing with currently just with the iOS apps um, for iPad, iPhone, iPod. Um, uh, it's programming in, in Objective-C programming language. Um, and hopefully if it, if it, you know, goes through, we can get it through curriculum, all that kind of stuff, and get it into the, into the program itself, we'll probably turn it into something that's like a mobile iOS or mobile OS course where we talk about more than just the iOS, we talk about the um, Android, some other um, uh, things like that. But for now, it is just with the um, the iOS devices. And now what is um, it you're using for your uh, for your IDE in that class? Um, you talking is it about just the SDK? Yeah, the SDK. Yeah, it's just Xcode. We're using just straight up what Apple provides right now. We'll talk about some other ones. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds with. Um, corona. I was say Corona was the one that Corona's I was thinking about because doesn't Corona allow you to create a program that can be one. that pushed out for yep. both Android as well as iOS? Yeah, um, Corona is one. Uh, it's its own SDK, and you program in it using 
I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what language it so is. It, it's it a might different not be language. Ob- oh, it more wouldn't be Objective C. Yeah, it's not. It is Objective C, but it's not. It's like a twist on it. It's like a little, like yeah, a different flavor. It's like a little different flavor, and it, you're programming it uh, one. You program it once, and it, you can be ported out to Android or iOS. There's a couple other ones, and there's some new ones. Again, this technology is moving so fast. Right. It's hard to keep up with it. But right now, well, we're just doing Xcode straight straight up, just. Well, the thing C about the thing about when you make a special topics course mm-hmm. is this course is not in the curriculum. You yep. need to build a gauge, and you need to build a gauge, and hopefully engage with students as well the amount of interest they have in the course. So, originally starting off small to see how students did with a with an iOS type thing, I think is a very good thing. Once you can go ahead and see how this course goes, we may build it out and. We may come up with a different name for it. When you suddenly have it in a curriculum, it's not like it's an elective that a student could choose to take. When it's in a curriculum, it's a class they're going to take. And so um, we just definitely wanted to add something like that. And there's even the possibility, we haven't looked at it completely, but maybe something like a like a Facebook application type type thing too. Yeah, and like right now the class is, there's six students in it. it was a uh, class because it was a new class. It was mm-hmm. it was this kind of language. Um, I didn't necessarily handpick them, but I had some students that were interested. Right. Um, very. And good I wanted students. to keep it very good students. I right. wanted to keep it a low number because I wanted to. See, you know, we want to do some exploration. We're yeah, gonna, you need to develop the course. We need to be able to. Yeah. And so using them, um, the students that I picked and you know that wanted to be in it. Using them and the stuff that we're doing, hopefully we'll develop it into a full course mm-hmm. and, and put it right into the curriculum. And That'd be awesome. Work out good. So. Because these days, you, you just can't plan for the desktop or the web. Exactly. Because now mobile is such a big thing that you need to have that also in your repertoire. And as, as soon devices. as it was mentioned with you know to our, to our people here, it mm-hmm. was, let's get that in the curriculum. Let's, right. let's try it out, special topics, see how it goes, get it in the curriculum businesses are going to like that you know everybody wants an app for their business yeah right off the bat let's you know let's get it developed so hopefully it works out yeah well this has been our uh, (laughs) our very first episode of uh of talk on tech like i say we'll we'll see how it goes and we'll play it by ear but the idea is we're going to try to make this be a a weekly podcast or, or maybe an every other week podcast and we're always going to explore the different options you have here at MCTC, but also try to throw in some some useful IT information, talk to some employers. And if yep. you like IT, hopefully you'll like what we had to say in here. Yep. So I will just throw out there and mention that uh, we do have a Twitter page. So if anyone has any questions or anytime we talk about links on this, such as the, uh, the Google Plus and uh, Google privacy policy in general. I'll be throwing that out there on the Twitter page. So if anyone wants to send a question that they'd like to have answered, I I guess eventually we could have like a, not a mailbag, but a Twitter bag type thing. But um, we are at TalkOnTechMCTC. Unfortunately, someone else already had TalkOnTech. So so we're TalkOnTechMCTC. And if you have anything for us, feel free to send it to us, and we'll answer it the best we can. But for now, this is Patrick Smith signing off. And this is Josh Joseph signing off. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.